Hello, everyone. Lee Arnold here with another exciting edition of Country Music Conversations. In the more than 60 years I've been a part of the country music scene, I've never been more impressed than with today's guest, the late Ray Price. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith, Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. Ray's been credited with introducing country music to the masses in every musical genre. He singularly brought country music uptown with strings and a tuxedo. To me, he was and always will be the Frank Sinatra of country music. He was country class with a capital C, truly a national treasure. Ray was one of the best male voices in country music. His band, the Cherokee Cowboys, were outstanding. His innovations, such as propelling the country beat from 2-4 to 4-4, often referred to as the shuffle beat or Ray Price beat, helped make country music more popular. His band was like a who's who of country stars and musicians. Its members included such names as Roger Miller, Willie Nelson, Daryl McCall, Johnny Paycheck, Johnny Bush, Buddy Emmons, and Buddy Spiker. Ray Price was born on a farm near Perryville, Texas. His parents divorced when he was three years old, and he moved with his mother to Dallas. He began singing and playing a guitar as a teenager, and he wanted a career as a veterinarian. His college years were interrupted when he was drafted into the Marine Corps in World War II. After discharge, he worked on his father's ranch and sang on the radio, eventually joining the cast of the Big D Jamboree, where he met Lefty Frizzell. He relocated to Nashville in the early 50s, and he roomed with Hank Williams, who remained a close friend. In 1953, he formed his band, the Cherokee Cowboys, and had big hits with Release Me, Invitation to the Blues, and Willie Nelson's classic, Nightlife. During the 60s, 
he experimented with the Nashville sound, with ballads and lush arrangements that produced classics like Danny Boy, For the Good Times, I Won't Mention It Again, She's Got to Be a Saint, and You're the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. Ray's final top ten hit was Diamonds in the Stars in 1982. His last notable work was an album with Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, and Ray Benson, and also Asleep at the Wheel, titled Last of the Breed. They toured the country with sold-out audiences. After the tour, Merle told Willie, quote, That old man just gave us a singing lesson, unquote. On November 6, 2012, Ray confirmed he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He received chemotherapy, and he appeared to be in remission. But in December 2013, he entered the hospital, and he died at his home in Mount Pleasant, Texas, on December 16, 2013. He was 87. Ray Price was honored with many awards, including Grammys, and induction to the Country Music Hall of Fame. He married twice. His first divorce took place in the 60s, and he married his second wife, Janie, in 1970, and they remained together until his death. He also had a son, Cliff, from his first marriage. The conversation we'll be listening to took place in 1982. Ray spoke of many things. Ernest Tubb, his band, the Cherokee Cowboys, Willie Nelson, Hank Williams, and a whole lot more. Here now is Ray Price. We are backstage with a gentleman who has become not only one of country music's most popular stars, but in all sense of the word is really a legend in country music and has put the C in country music, if I may, the class in country, the wonderful Ray Price. Ray, it's good to have you back in the Northeast. It's a long time between visits. Well, yeah, it has been, and and uh, I'm glad to get back. It's just it's just great, and the audience they haven't changed. They they're still just as great. Well, they're great because they love the best, and that's you. One of the things you've done recently, you came out of retirement and came back with a surge like never before, with a an album which produced three hit singles, and you're on your fourth. There's got to be a story behind each and every song, and in your case, I'm sure there's a big story behind one of your recent hits called Diamond in the Stars. Well. Uh, it is a great, uh, song. Uh, I'm trying to think of the words. The thing reminds you, I'll tell you what it reminds you. It reminds you of this thing that I do of Hank Williams, Mansion on the Hill. Only in just a little bit more sophisticated words, you know. And, uh, it's a great song. I recorded it and, uh, uh, I just loved it. And I thought it was going to be bigger than it was, but it was still, it was a real good, uh, record for me. Of course, I was having a problem with my label a little bit, and but still, uh, I love doing it. I did on the show. Everybody likes it. How about the story behind Forty and Fain, Ray? That's a song that I think everybody can identify with. The middle age crisis. Well, this song, uh, I get tickled on stage doing it sometimes because it sounds like it's me up there doing it, you know. And uh, sometimes I'll make a mistake and still saying he, I'll say I, you know. <laughs> But uh, it's, a, it's a good song. It's about a cat that's uh, 40 and fading, but he feels great, you know, and that's what I do. I feel great. Uh, i got a new lease on life. I'm back. My career is doing just great, and, and uh, I'm doing what I really love to do. 
One of the songs which you've been, or the type of songs which Ray Price was associated with in the beginning of his career was that old Texas Shuffle beat type song, like Crazy Arms and all the other great hits you had. And recently in the album, one of the first hits out of your recent album was a song called It Don't Hurt Me Half As Much. Right, and the same thing. We went back to the old style, and of course, that's what I do. If you notice in my show, I combine the three different styles together, is what I do. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say to everybody is that that I just want to make, when I do a show, I want my songs to sound like they are on the record. And country music to me is the greatest music in the world. And I watched years ago, guys like my friend Tony Bennett would dress it up into Cold Cold Heart, smash hit. And uh, Tennessee Waltz dressed up was a smash hit. And I felt like that when you put the the strings behind it sophisticate just a little bit you can get a lot more people to listen to country music once they listen for just a little while they get hooked on it because they begin to understand it and of course uh the old shuffle beat is is to me is the way i love to really express a lot of songs you know i want to sort of like you're walking and talking to people and that's what i try to do and it comes natural since you're from Texas, and that was the kind of music you grew up with, with influences like Bob Wills and all the other great bands down there. That's right. Uh, now, I started shuffling in, in uh, 1954 or 55. And, uh, but you're right. I was on the influence of Bob and a lot of guys that I knew down in the country, and on the influence of Hank, Hank Williams and Ernest Tubbs. And uh, Ernest was my favorite singer for many, many years. Still is, in fact. But, uh, and Hank. And all of those things, I think we're all just a product of our environment, really, to tell you the truth. And that's what has happened. So I'm back doing a little more of the old country. Now that I've got them listening, I can go back and do what I want to do for them in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and have them like it twice as much as they did before. Well, they listen to it this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you aside from Ray Price, the great singer, Ray Price has had a, a, one of the most respected bands in country music, the Cherokee Cowboys, over the years. And from that group has come some of the most illustrious alumni that country music has ever seen. A lot of great names started with you, later became great names in their own right. People like Willie Nelson and Roger Miller and Farron Young well, and Johnny Gimble. Not Farron. Uh, Farron? No, Farron and I come together at the, at the opera about the same time. Farron was from Shreveport. But I'll name for you. It uh, was, of course, Willie and then Roger Miller and then Johnny Paycheck and then a guy in Texas, my drummer, Johnny Bush, Daryl McCall, and Buddy Emmons, and Buddy Spiker, and it was just a real great, great band. And I've got a one that's working right now. As soon as I get them put back together, I'll have another good one. Willie tells me this story at one time when he was working for your publishing firm in Nashville called Pamper Music way back in the middle 60s, that at one time you needed a bass player in a real hurry. He didn't know how to play bass guitar at the time, but he said he learned... That's right, he was a guitar player. But he took Paycheck's place, and he, you ought to saw him in Paycheck's uniform. <laughs> Willie and I still laugh about that. I got a picture of that. <laughs> What's the true story? Did this actually happen, that he had one of your, your, your cocks, a, a rooster of yours, a, one of your chickens that was a right. prize cock, right. that he held for you for a while, and uh, somehow you never got back to take him back, and uh, he actually shot it? Well, that's not really the way the story went. Yeah, I fancy game chickens, you know. I keep them as a hobby. And, of course, 
when they, they're great when they're young, but when they get old enough, they go to kill each other. So you got to pin them, get them away from each other. And so I took one of them over to his house. And he wanted it. Yeah, bring him over here. But he had some white hens, his wife did, <laughs> Shirley. And this old game rooster, I guess, didn't like that white hen. He killed her. <laughs> and so she got mad and called Willie, and Willie called me, and I was out on the road. with nothing I could do about it. And the guy that worked for me didn't go pick the chicken up, and he killed another white hen for him. <laughs> so Willie had to shoot him. <laughs> and at that time, I was recording Willie's songs and making smash hits out of them. And he got to laughing about killing that rooster, so I said, well, I'll show him. So I didn't record a song for him for about five years, and he finally told me, he said, that's the most expensive damn chicken I ever shot. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> fabulous story. <laughs> Ray, one of the great stories of our time, I think, it, you can tell us actually how it happened, but I know you have a great respect and a great love for Hank Williams because you know him personally, and he influenced your career greatly in your singing and everything. I think everybody's life he touched. You were on a show that Hank was scheduled to be on the night that he died. Were you not on January 1st out in Ohio? Well, almost. Almost. I'll tell you where I was at. He was going to be, I was in Canton, I believe. And that's so long ago. It was in uh, January of, 50, of 53. New Year's Eve. New Year's Day, let's put it that way. He died on New Year's Eve. Uh, and I was playing Akron. And we were only like 30, 40 miles apart. So I hadn't seen him since just before Christmas. Uh, I'd run into him in Dallas. I was home with my mother for Christmas in Dallas from my home and he came to the Sportatorium and was doing a show, and we went down to see him. And he was going to spend Christmas with us. But then he called me on Christmas Day and said, Well, I'm here in Montgomery with Mama, so I'm going to be here with her. And uh, he and his wife, Billy, had broken up. Well, anyway, I was going to see him the day of the show. I was going to drive home and see him after the show. And, of course, I got the news that he was dead just before I went on. So... But yeah, Hank and I were really good buddies. I lived with him for a while until they, the Opry let him go because of his drinking problem. It wasn't narcotics, like a lot of people think. He was drinking. And uh, he, uh, he went back uh, to Shreveport to the Hayride. And then I saw him, like I said, just before Christmas, he told me, he says, I had a song at that time hitting called Don't Let the Stars Get in Your Eyes. And when I saw him coming up the street, he began to see, he saw me and he started, started singing, don't let the stars get in your eyes. <laughs> and he says, I'll be back here with you, pal, pretty soon, because they had made him leave because we drank it. But then he died, and of course it was a shame. He's a great talent. You had a great deal of people that have given you songs over the years that have become big hits for Ray Price. Uh, there, it seems to be cyclical with you. There was a period where you recorded a lot of Willie Nelson material. Then there was a period you recorded a lot of Christopherson material, beginning with For the Good Times. Then after that, a lot of Jim Weatherly songs. Mm -hmm. Is it you take a fancy to a particular singer at a, at a particular time? How does it work? Well, what happens is that uh, when I hear a song, and particularly if it's a new writer and it's a good song, then you listen to some of his other songs. And if it... And it's generally the case when he writes a good song, he's hit a vein and he's got it going for him and he'll write several. 
So I play particular attention to all of his songs because I feel like that if he's in the groove, as we call it, and really has hit the idea of what's happening like Chris Christopherson did, uh, that he'll be the best songwriter going for the time. And that's the way it works. Hank Cochran was one of them. Uh, Harlan Howard was another one of the writers. That, uh, and uh, it just... Uh, a lot of, and I'll tell you, a, a guy that I recorded a lot of his songs and made big hits for him was uh, Mel Tillis. And uh, in fact, he helped Mel get started. He was talking about it. Mel's a good buddy of mine. So that's the reason why. Now, Jim Weatherly, I kind of got talked in some there. He's a great writer, but I did some songs because of my uh, producer that I didn't particularly think fit the album. But we did do those. But he's a great writer, Jim, a nice kid, hell of a football player. Yeah, he is. You recently did a good album that was very successful, the duet album with Willie Nelson called San Antonio Rose. And recently you joined what could be called the Super Trio, you, Roger Miller, and Willie, and a song called Old Friends. You came in for about eight bars of that. We're expecting more Ray Price on that. Well, I tell you, I got into it late. Uh, Willie was doing this to try to help uh, Roger get started back. And, of course, I wanted to help also. And I got out of there last night and had already recorded all the thing. This was the only song that was left. So when we did it, uh, they began to do some of the other stuff that they had already recorded. And I left. I didn't get to do one song, but I'm real glad to do it. And I hope that it helps uh, Roger. And I believe it will because it looks like it, they're playing the devil out of it. Where would you like to see yourself? You came out of retirement, Ray. I know you retired for a while. And uh, there was a big controversy in the middle 60s when you supposedly quote-unquote tried to switch directions or bring country uptown you were talking about that on stage as you do several times with the controversial song called Danny Boy and then of course acceptance with For the Good Times Eddie Arnold got away for, with it for years and yet when you came along with it it wasn't accepted why do you think looking back over the years that that happened well I don't know I've tried to look at it from various angles and, and uh, I don't know whether it was done deliberately or not it seems like it was done deliberately because uh, most of the people that was turning the jockeys off to me were the other acts. They were the ones that were screaming. I had, you know, left country music and it wasn't true, you know. But a lot of them believed it and uh, it made it pretty tough on me, you know. Of course, my fans never did stop. Uh, I would put out a record and it would sell as many as a smash hit. My fans bought it. But it wouldn't be played, you know. So <clears throat> I finally uh, uh, decided that I would go back and try to change a little bit, and maybe they'd understand what I was doing. And I went back to Nashville, and I got see one of the things that happened during that period of time too was right here in New York. Uh, my uh, uh, manager who at that time was Marty Ehrlichman who had uh, Barbara Streisand he said I want you to record New York well you know if you've got a manager you, you, you think he's got smarts enough to tell you what to do you know so I did and only thing is we used a, a great arranger at Ray Ellis and uh, he's a good friend of mine raised now on the west coast but uh, he didn't have that little feel for the country end of it and so, and we had the greatest musicians in the world, 
some of the greatest jazz players even, Jerome Richard and J.J. Jackson, Johnson, them, you know, all them guys, George DeVivier, uh, Hank Jones. But it didn't work. It just didn't come off. And then I finally got back to Nashville, and I found a cat named Cam Mullins. That's right. And uh, when I did it, and what was so funny about it, when I did Danny Boy, well, I went back to Cam. Dan, Cam and I had done Danny Boy, and that's what had started the whole fight. And what really got me is, for three years, I stopped the disc jockey convention show, the Columbia show with Danny Boy, and all the disc jockeys demanded I record it. So I did, and then they put me down. <laughs> I didn't. I was one of the few that can be proud to say we played Danny Boy to number one. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But you know what I'm saying? It's real funny. I know. So it is. It's almost a you know an axiom. It it uh, well I don't know I and then of course when I hit with for the good times and it and it it all turned around and I worked for about a year or two and I finally said, hey I fought too hard and too long and I was still pretty disappointed that the controversy is still raging, you know, and I said I just quit. One of the few country singers who can do this tonight show is who actually, when you see when you're when you're introduced by Johnny Carson, there's a true love for your craft, your art, and you for Ray Price being what you are, the great country singer you are. That must be pleasurable for you personally. Oh, listen, it is. You know, it was real funny. The first time that I went on the Carson shows right here in New York, and we had Danny Boy, and I don't know how I managed to do it, but I got Columbia Records to spring for enough money for just 10 strings. You know, I was only making a millions, and they they might have cost them a thousand, you know. <laughs> and here we was on the, the biggest talk show in the country, hot as the devil, you know. But anyway, I got them, and Johnny was, I think Johnny was expecting me to come out. See, you don't ever go to rehearsal with Johnny. And uh, I think he was expecting me to come out with loud spangled clothes and everything, you know. And he was looking at that, and when he saw those strings, he thought, I heard, he said, what are the strings here for? <laughs> and somebody said, they're for our guest, Ray Price. Oh, he said. And then when he introduced me, I'll never forget it, I came out and I was scared to death because it was such a big show, and I wanted to make a good impression. And uh, I did it with all the strings, and it just went perfect, and I got a standing ovation at the end of it, and... That's all it took. I blew his mind out. Because when I walked over to him, first thing he said was, he looked at my clothes and said, now don't tell me that's country. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> You're about to do a a new movie with Clint Eastwood. And Ray Price is going to be in the movies. Well, I hope. You know, if I, if I don't get the guy that edits it mad at me, I'll be in the movies. He gets mad, he'll leave me laying on the film floor. You know? <laughs> You're going to sing some songs in the new picture, Ray? I'm uh, going to sing a couple of songs, and uh, maybe three. It just, just depends on how it works out. Uh, the 15th, I'm going out with Snuff Garrett, and we're going to record the soundtrack at the studio in Los Angeles. You know the name of the picture? Uh, I, I'm, I could be very wrong, but it seems to me like Snuff told me the name of it is Honky Tonk Man. Oh, great. And uh, it's about, uh, it's in the 30s. And he's a, a musician songwriter. And he comes to a radio station where Bob Wills is playing. 
and I'm going to sing San Antonio Rose. In the movie. Oh, that's great. Johnny Gimble's going to play fiddle. We're going to really lay it down like it was, you know. <laughs> and uh, then there's another song he's written, and I, I don't even know the title of it, that he wants it to be the title song of the movie, and I hope it comes off great because uh, it'll be on the Viva label, which is his label, and it'll be on the soundtrack, the album. They're planning on a real album because there's two or three other acts in the show. I don't know exactly yet who all they are. Where would you like to see yourself down the track now? You've had it all. I mean, no one could achieve more than Ray Price has ever achieved outside of being elected, which you will be, I'm sure, in the very near future to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Where would you like to see the career go? Well, i tell you the truth. I don't think I've scratched what I want to do. And I would like for one time to, if I could, to win the uh, Entertainer of the Year. They didn't let me have it before. Uh, they disqualified me because they said I was singing a song that had already been previously recorded, and uh, which I thought was a little cruel. And uh, but that was during the controversy. And uh, but they did let the song win <laughs> a Joe South song that had already been recorded. That's what made me hot, you know. Yeah. And I thought I got shafted, if to just put it very straight and blunt, but I would like to win that because it's an honor that I haven't received. And uh, I would like to be able to say that I did that before then in my career. And then outside of that, outside of being the best thing in the world, I don't guess there's anything else I won't be. Well, that's what you are, right? <laughs> Can't ask for anything more than that. That's what I like to be. I like to become everybody's favorite country singer. And I want to go to Europe and all over the world and do it while I still have a few years left. What a legend, Ray Price. That, my friends, is a cherished memory. Next week on Country Music Conversations, my guest will be Farron Young. Until then, stay safe and keep it country. <laughs>